Hello, Forza Italia! Football is coming Rome! Congratulations to Italy. We are football by the numbers. Here to do our European Cup roundup. First, if you haven't heard, we are on Google Podcasts. We are on Spotify. We are on Anchor. We are on several other different apps that I don't know the names of, but mainly we are on YouTube. So make sure to give us a follow on Spotify. Make sure to look out for us on Apple Podcasts. I'm sure we'll be on there eventually. Give us a follow on Google. Make sure to get the full show on YouTube. Make sure to subscribe, leave your comments down below, and hit that notification bell. I am John, the Statman, welcoming back Will the Wall Willard. How you doing, man? Doing all right, John. As a neutral, I couldn't ask for much more for a uh, Euro final. Indeed, we can't. And certainly, Italy beat the English in a stunning display in that final. I'm glad it went to penalties. I thought it was a fair result, 1-1. And as we all know, the English cannot win a penalty shootout. But I am more than happy to welcome back a good buddy of mine for the second time in a row, the second episode in a row, John, the brick wall on the back line. How you doing, John? I'm feeling great. Yeah, I honestly, I don't root against England. I I relish in their demise, and I really root against Italy usually, which usually means that they regularly put up good teams. So that's really a compliment, and I got more than I could have bargained for out of this game. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love watching soccer no matter what, but this is an entertaining finish. I felt like an appropriate finish to a quality tournament. I agree, and I am a Germany fan, so I can definitely relate to you with that England loss. Oh, those English tears are so salty and delicious. I can taste them. I've been watching all the podcasts I can. I love it. But guess what, English fans? That's a good thing. If you hear our hate, don't hate us. Leave a like down below. We hate you because we respect you and because we know you're a huge threat. If you were irrelevant, we wouldn't even talk about you. So That's exactly right. We didn't talk about the Italians for multiple tournaments. I like their team. I think they're playing a lot of attacking football and not just sitting back like they usually have in the previous tournaments. But they do have a lot of success behind them. And success makes you hate other teams. England, I love that you're going on year 56 without a title. I'm not going to lie. You don't have a ton of success. The most recent German manager who went out in a stunning shame has had more finals appearances than your last, like, whatever. 55 years of managers you know take whatever we say and just know that we'll be drinking all your tears and to be clear we all live in the u.s what do we we get to brag about really (laughs) yeah target is quite big on our chin whenever you want to knock us out but anyway let's break down this final what were your initial match reactions who were some players or maybe one player in particular that you wanted to highlight who played well who didn't play well what did you think of the style of the game what comes to mind first is gareth southgate and his crazy decision to bring on two guys who hadn't played at all all match to come on in the very last minute of extra time to get warm before penalties and have a 19 year old take your fifth penalty that's what comes to mind first really ruined all the great coaching he'd had all tournament yeah i feel like after the first 20 minutes of the game england kind of fell apart i really felt like england had the game in the bag had that goal come in about the 60th minute and had that come then then they could have sat back and absorbed all the pressure but because it came so early i mean they might as well just gave away their strategy and ran for the corner flags in the absence of andrew being here i'm just gonna speak his words for him they parked the bus <laughs> they parked the bus them scoring that early was the worst thing that could have happened to them obviously at the moment it 
felt great. It felt sweet, but you're right. It only took about, what, 20-ish minutes until they weren't even trying to possess the ball, it seemed. Some of the brilliant play that they had displayed through a lot of the tournament, like Will kind of said, it just erased a lot of that, especially for Southgate, because he was doing some cool stuff with his roster. If you've got that many players, that many defensive players, what are you going to do to really display their talents? He showed you several different ways of doing that throughout the tournament. But what are we left with thinking about? The 19-year-old taking the fifth, which, don't get me wrong, I don't even think like that's just a bad decision. I think it is unfair to that player. Usually I give a lot of benefit of the doubt in terms of like, I don't know what's said in the locker room, or I don't know what happens on the training pitch. Maybe this guy's got an insane juke, fake you out, you really think he's going left, but whatever it was, I don't care what you do in training or in any other circumstance. There are a few times that you can create as much pressure as what he felt right there. That's a legend in the making if he makes it, but at the same time, it wasn't even for the win. It was to keep getting more PKs. So I think that was pretty unfair. Obviously, subbing in the two players, but I was sitting there towards the end of the game like, where is Rashford? Get him in there. If, if you really want to win this game, because I think he's a one-for-one one with Sterling. And speaking of Sterling, where was his PK? You know, there were so many other guys. Like, there were so many question marks. And it, it feels confusing and crazy in those PK moments where next thing you know, this guy's stepping up to the spot. But I felt like as a viewer sitting on a couch, I could at least say, what's going on with this guy? Where's this guy? Where's this guy? And you don't know whoever says no. You don't know those types of things. I can tell you, if those players did say no, knowing that they were going to put a 19-year-old on the spot to do that, that's on them as much as it is on Southgate. My takeaways from this are England did the right thing in offering Gareth Southgate a new contract because he is the first manager in 55 years to get you to a final. And despite what everyone was saying, start Grealish, start Sancho. Where is Bellingham? Why are we keeping Kane on when he's being a passenger for most of this game? Let's be real here. It took him three games in this tournament to get his first ever Euros goal. He he showed us all that when England's defense was the weakest part of their game and the attacking talent that they have, that he still knows what he's doing. But I feel like all of his tactical masterclass throughout this whole tournament was completely gone by the wayside after the first 20-25 minutes. He really just tried to park the bus and defend a 1-0 lead. And yeah, Italy's goal in the 67th minute with the Bonucci corner was a little scrubby, maybe undeserved, but very lucky. If you look at the XG stats, it was about two expected goals for Italy to about 0.5 for England. And I know that England going up that quickly in the game kind of alters those stats. But let's let's remember also, Mancini's had about three years to develop this team, which is about what you need. You might need a little bit less to develop that Mazzala playing style with the inside forwards and Insigne and Chiesa or Berardi, whoever was playing that winger role. As far as the penalties go, he just went with his gut about who was in training. And even had Saka made that penalty, it was rumored that Jordan Pickford was number six and Calvin Phillips was number seven. So that was destined to be lost. I mean, that is that is mind-blowingly foolish. Did you get that from the Daily Mail? I don't remember if it was from the Daily Mail. It might as well have been from the Babylon Bee or the Onion. I can't say I'd be surprised. That sounds like madness, but it's like you literally, you, you still had Grealish in the game at that moment, right? 
No, he tr- he uh, subbed out Grealish for Rashford. And the Rashford-Sancho subs, I don't even think they got a touch on the ball before the penalty kicks were taken. So these guys are, have not hardly touched a ball all tournament, and you bring him in for the final PK. What about Sterling? I think that's a valid question. Grealish has already come out and said, I wanted to take a penalty. I didn't get to take a penalty. But Sterling, after a lackluster season with City, showed the haters wrong and really was like the driving force of... England's team throughout this tournament. He won them the group stage scoring two of their only goals in the group stage and then they kind of picked it up against Germany scoring two. Raheem Sterling got an assist against Ukraine as well. But let's move on from this. Another player I wanted to highlight real quick was Ferrati with a 94% pass completion and had 112 of 119 passes completed. He dominated 11% of the match possession when he was on the pitch. So 11% of all of the match possession and until he was subbed off was when the ball was with Ferrati, which is an insane statistic. But I really want to get into the best 11 for the Euro. Let's go back to front. I want to know who your goalkeepers are and why. I think we're going to have some similarities here. I feel like saying Jan Sommer, the guy was just an animal. Because it's one thing to have really good stats like Pickford when you know that a lot of that work was done in the other parts of the field. This guy was under fire and he was the defense. There, there's another one I feel is close, Casper Schmeichel. That's one of those positions where you really don't need to be on one of the winningest teams to show off what you can do, because that means you probably had to do a lot of work to keep your team in it. But th- both those guys just showed absolute grit and heart in this tournament. Jan Sommer with 30 shots on target against, 22 saves. He saved the Mbappe penalty kick, I think, to beat France. He had some ridiculous saves. He saved one penalty kick against Spain with a 9.4 match rating. Casper Schmeichel had nine saves in regular time which is the most in any Euro game and the leadership he showed after Ericsson went down in their first game which by the way it was a crime for all those networks to do this voyeuristic crap to show him on camera literally dying that was disgusting and outrageous but Schmeichel with 2.2 saves per 90 which was 1.1 above XG he's a he's a great shout I think Donnarumma gets a mention in there as well I think Pickford if you said it I would understand but I agree with you I think most of the work was done on the defense. Will, did you have Jan Sommer by chance? I had him as well. It was close between him and Donnarumma for me, but Sommer didn't have that same defense in front of him that Donnarumma had or Pickford had. 22 saves is just incredible. He definitely won them matches by himself. XG was close compared to the goals allowed between him and Donnarumma. I think Donnarumma had a slight edge, but I'm still going to give it to Somer. Schmeichel deserves another shout out because that England game would have been a blowout if not for him. He made some ridiculous saves. I think I give Schmeichel extra points in the eyeball test. I know this is by the numbers, but if, if you watched him play, it felt like he was more impactful than some of the other guys. Big props to Donnarumma though. He had a fantastic tournament, obviously. At his age, coming out to be one of the best goalkeeper talents in the world. He's going to have a bright career and has definitely taken up the mantle of Buffon. But let's get into fullbacks. We'll just group these together. So let's go right back and left back. At right back, I have Kyle Walker, who led the tournament in interceptions with 19. And just also eyeball tests, like him versus Denmark. He had a match rating of 8.2, and just like every little chance that Denmark had playing balls through, he would just lock it down with his speed. He would make it up, and his strength, they couldn't knock him off the ball. It was He just really impressed me in that semifinal match against Denmark. Uh, left back, I had Luke Shaw. I mean, wow, good year for Man U, but man, real coming 
coming out party with England. He is quick for a chubby little fullback. Four goal creating chances this tournament three assists and a goal uh i would never have guessed that he was crazy he was really good i'm gonna push back on your kyle walker pick the only reason he's good is because he is fast and that's the only contribution he gave he is the reason that england beat germany though had he not gotten back to save declan rice from getting a red card i think germany would have taken that game but john let's go to you i also had luke shaw for offensive prowess i had to put chiellini in there definitely give greater appreciation to the veterans who have stuck it out and been around for a while and still look good. I wanted to do something a little different with my last pick and I was thinking um, Patricio somebody who stood up in some games against, I, I felt like I wanted to pick somebody from one of the most difficult group stages who outperformed expectation instead of only plucking from finalists and semi-finalists. So I went with a 4-3-3 so I have two fullbacks I went with Yucky Mela from Denmark. His average match rating was about a 7.15 throughout all the games that they played. That cross versus the Czech Republic, let's talk about the eye test there, that outside of the foot cross, absolutely disgusting. I know he played left wing back, but that was crazy. Finished the tournament with two goals and one assist. From the left back position, I just want to shout these statistics out to you 22 tackles and interceptions and nine blocks average 69 touches per game 88 percent of which was in the attacking third so he did do that offensive work as well as that defensive work he finished the tournament with two goals and one assist 15 shot creating actions and two goal creating actions the left back i had to go with spinazola he had Two assists, 17 shot creating actions, and two goal creating actions across the whole tournament, which averages to four per 90 minutes from the left back position. That is insane. Like a a solid left back, not like a left wing back like Mela, where he was kind of forced to contribute to the offense. He had an 86.6% pass accuracy, averaged about 66 touches, which were most in the middle in the final third. So he really got forward and really got into the offensive third. He was dispossessed five times in the whole tournament. So I think he would have been player of the tournament had he been healthy this whole time and not torn his ACL. And for Italy to lose a player of Spinozola's caliber and still go on to win after all of his contributions, that should, that says something to me about Italy. But let's move on to center backs. I went with three in the back. I went with the old timers on Italy. I had Benucci and Chiellini as my two center backs. Not a whole lot of advanced stats here. Benucci did have that goal in the final, but these guys just locked it down and made things pretty easy and clean for Donnarumma. Yeah, I had Chiellini as well. He averaged 2.2 tackles and interceptions per game with six clearances per game. I think that speaks more that he did that well with how much Italy dominated possession. Only Spain in this tournament had more possession than did Italy, like on average per game. So to average those stats with Donnarumma in the back, with the midfield as dominant as it was, is still pretty ridiculous. And I also had a good old slabhead from Manchester United, good old Harry Maguire. One goal, eight shots with four on target throughout this whole tournament, which shows he's finally aiming them at the goal. 2.2 tackles and interceptions per game, five clearances per game, 21 aerial duels won. He won 88. 8% of his aerial duels this tournament. Let's move on to midfields. Let's just go through the entire midfield. So here's where I went for 
I went three four three, and I think I misspoke earlier and meant to say Guerrero. But so for midfielders, I, I had to go with Kevin De Bruyne. He, he was just an absolute game changer, and when he wasn't on the field, it was felt everywhere. He's been one of the most creative players, and it was interesting because to pair him along with another creative player would be Eden Hazard. When those two weren't on the field, their team looked completely different, and they still did fine. Frankie de Young just had amazing possession and passing stats throughout this tournament. Obviously, I'm a big Netherlands fan to begin with, but that guy, he's still continues to play line to line, and it just seems like he can consume possession or just be that little through ball and do a lot of the little things that keep keep a nicely oiled machine moving. And then the other two, again, these aren't the most winning teams, but N'Golo Kante and Paul Pogba. I put both of them on there because where France, their failures in this tournament, they looked kind of heartless as, as a team, like they didn't put their heart into it. This guy plays every minute as hard as he can. Like that guy runs in the 93rd minute, like the whistle just blew to begin the game. Pogba, I also felt like was trying to string things together with his team. He's the type of guy where he's like such a polar opposite opposite and that you won't see him looking like he's trying his hardest yet he's doing so much on the field so yeah if I had this midfield for a team I'd be very happy with just the amount of creativity and angles that would come around. Pogba is just magical on the ball with his dribbling ability and his his cross field passing and Conti I think in the Germany game averaged like eight or nine tackles and interceptions from the midfield it is disgusting how good that guy is at his age. Yeah there was a little overlap with John I had Paul Pogba as well mostly just for that game against Switzerland where they lost in penalties, he was just incredible with a match rating of 8.8. Everything looked so easy. Elsewhere, it was it was close. I had to get an Italian midfielder in there between Jorginho and Verratti. I went with Marco Verratti. He was second in the tournament in goal-creating actions with four, third in shot-creating actions with 26, second in tackles. So a little bit of offense and defense with him. Very well-rounded player. And for my final midfield pick, I went with Pedri from Spain. He just dominated, hopefully, the next Iniesta, maybe. First in goal-creating actions. First in shot-creating actions. Top 10 in pressures. First in carries and passes in the final third. He also, he's in my team, too. He didn't give the ball away versus Italy. He finished the tournament with a 92% pass accuracy, 70 passes that he completed all game versus Italy. The next in Spain was 20 shot-creating actions. That was Danny Olmo. He had 68 passes into the final third. That own goal was BS versus Croatia. That was totally Unai Simone's fault. I went the other way from you, Will, so you went with more of the uh, Mazzala pick in Ferrati. I went Jorginho. He finished the tournament with 94% pass accuracy, so that's 487 of 518 passes completed throughout the whole tournament. Had 23 shot-creating actions. Averaged almost five tackles and interceptions per game. Had 135 pressures, so the press really was enforced by him and he did a great job at it i think he completed about 30 percent of his pressures had 587 touches most in the middle third so he was really the general the dictator of play in the midfield and he received the ball 98.7 percent of the time he was passed to so he was always available always willing to dictate the play my midfield that i didn't hear either of you guys say was hoy bierg 
he started the press and had 104 pressures. He was number one on Denmark. Number two was Thomas Delaney with 69. And he's really known for being that like defensive destroying midfield at Southampton. He's also a Bayern boy. He's shown that he is more than just a destroyer. He's a relentless box-to-box midfielder. His three assists beat the expected assists by 0.7. And after that heartbreak where he was just destroyed by seeing Christian Eriksen almost die on the field, uh, to come out and give performances like that, you got to give the guy some credit. I'll run through my front three. I had on the left, Raheem Sterling with three goals and one assist. He got England through the group stage. 17 shot creating actions, two shots per game. Nothing too prolific, but again, drag England through those group stages and through a lot of that tournament with his cuts inside. When you put Grealish on in the final and then you take him off because Sterling is so composed and you want you need another penalty taker and that speaks volumes to me. Um, I had Patrick Schick as my striker with five goals in five games, 83.3% of his team goals as well. And if you think about the Czech Republic's expected goals, they were the second lowest in the tournament for expected goals. Patrick Schick beat his expected goals by I think about 2.5. His 50-yard shot against Scotland had an XG rating of 0.01. Easy to beat your XG numbers when you have that goal in your back pocket. And then my right wing, of course I had to pick Bayern's number one target, Julian Nagelsmann's dream acquisition this year, Federico Chiesa doing the eye test. He looked the most most threatening of all of Italy's players when Immobile has to score when he's like one-on-one running at the goalkeeper. Berardi was inconsistent. Insigne I thought was kind of disappointing with a lot of his shots being skied over although he is an honorable mention. He beat his XG by 1.2, had 16 shots, 7 on target, averaged about two and a half shots per game, 15 shot creating actions, knowing that he didn't start the first like two or three games. So that's my starting 11. Well, we had a lot of overlap. I had Patrick Schick in my top line. What a coming out party for the Leverkusen man. Sterling led the tournament in 23 dribbles past, scored all of England's goals in the group stages. I had Chiesa as an honorable mention. He probably would have been in my starting three if Italy had known how good he was and had started him more matches. My last starting spot went to Emil Forsberg from Sweden. Four goals in the tournament, overperformed his XG by 2.3, and he was robbed by the post at least twice in that final match against Ukraine. So Yeah, I was singing the praises of Emil Forsberg as well because that team looked toothless at times, and then he just came up and bit somebody, and he put the ball in the back of the net. Positions on the field that you just did not expect. Chiesa, I also had because in the games that it mattered, you could just tell the defenders did not know what to do against him. It felt like it was just a matter of time before he was like taking the game over or was going to have the decider. And it was really tragic that he ended up injured and had to get subbed out. And then the last one I had was uh, Saravia. I felt like I could have maybe had a a couple Spanish players, (laughs) Morata, that poor guy. I, I couldn't have it be him because because he just had so many more opportunities that he missed. Uh, and so while he, he still put up good numbers as far as what you look at for a whole tournament, what they were expected to do was a lot greater than 
and what ended up happening. But you can't take away from the fact that just because people know you're good doesn't mean you didn't still show up and play well. And in a big way, I wanted that Spain-Italy game to be the, the final because stylistically that was far more interesting to me than the final that we got. However, what we ended up with was a fantastic game. When you're going to PKs like that, again, I don't complain. I think that for with forwards, it's a matter of preference. A lot of times it's a lot more straightforward just in terms of like, did you get the goal or didn't you? However, when you start seeing players in your attacking third actually start connecting with each other when they're not just like an attacking mid or somebody like that that's something special and Spain started to display that throughout the tournament I mean I felt like they had an easier path at times early in the tournament but by the end of it I felt like they were deserving where they wound up had you put Murata in your team I would have said no pick somebody else but that's just my own bias in there I do want to say that I agree with you on the Spain Italy game an interesting stat that came out the nine out of 11 times that a team has gone back-to-back penalty shootouts and they lose the second game so all props to Italy for breaking that trend and breaking that stat and they truly were the best team they surprised a lot of folks out here too and that speaks to Roberto Mancini just really managing his team and taking the time to integrate the younger players to teach them how to do that Mazzala role Nicola Barella really came into his own and showed everybody how good of a, a midfielder he is and England's no joke for England to make the final after 55 years it was a great team I think we came up with some great teams guys any final thoughts or any plugs that you guys would like to make while we were kind of talking about england i didn't get to mention i felt like their back line was just phenomenal throughout the tournament while stylistically they're not my favorite to watch it reminded me of some of the italian defenses they had some height on their side but they didn't lack in speed and positioning as well so yeah mad props to them i think you guys are right having sterling on there i think it's just a matter of preference leaving them off but But at the same time, when you're such a defensive-minded team, if your team only needs one goal, it's still crucial that you get it done. I'm also not typically the biggest fan of Harry Kane, but he looked more creative than usual and looked like a different player this tournament to me. It's that Tottenham charm that really made him more of a creative force instead of just an upfront striking option. And it's also that Tottenham charm that is keeping him trophyless. Will, do you have anything to plug? I'm excited to see how long Italy can keep this unbeaten streak going. I mean, but yeah, go listen to our Copa America pod and any of our past pods on the Gold Cup going on right now. Go check out our affiliate podcast, The Lou Boys SC, which John hosts with Will and Andrew, I believe, still. Go check that beautiful baby out. Check us out on all the other platforms, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, uh, Pocket Casts. I don't remember all of them. Thank you guys for watching. Thank you for listening. Remember that any comparison of Luke Shaw to Roberto Carlos is absolutely ridiculous. We are football by the numbers.